Good morning. Welcome to 1410 WYZM, The Plant Doctor Show. My name is Mike Meyer, and uh, we'll be here for the next hour taking your calls and answering your questions about anything that's uh, going on out there in the plant or gardening world. So it could be about uh, maybe you're thinking about giving a gift, a uh, Christmas gift of a houseplant, poinsettia or something, and you're not sure what's a best way to buy one or, uh, you know, uh, transport it or what have you, or maybe you've got a sick houseplant. Or you're even still thinking about doing some work outside, not sure if or when is the best time to do it or how to go about doing it. Go ahead and give me a call. Shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. Now, Halloween's over and behind us. And, uh, well, except for the packing of a bowl of decorations and the kitties, you know, calming down from their sugar rushes. And, you know, maybe our world can get back to... Normal, well, at least as normal can be in good old Wisconsin. Mother Nature saw fit to uh, end our summer drought with going directly into winter, it seems. Uh, I know I talked about it last week's show, uh, it being cold on uh, Halloween, but, you know, I wasn't expecting two inches of that white stuff to come down. It was just supposed to be snow showers. But, uh, oh, well, Wisconsin's Wisconsin, and you never know what you're going to get. But uh, that being said, there are a few things that we can be working on out in our yards and landscapes and things that need to get done. And I figure we could talk about those today. Uh, I know we're going to be getting into house plants really soon, but there's still a few things we need to cover about outside. And the first thing that I would like to cover is, I know I mentioned this last week, and I'm going to mention it again probably next week too. Uh, many plants in the area tend to dry out and die over the winter. I don't know how many calls I used to get every spring. Uh, my plant is dead. You know, can you come out and take, or my plant looks horrible. Can you come out and take a look at it? I go out and, you know, shrub, bush, whatever, and it's fried. And that happens from uh, being the cold winter dry winds that we have just dries the heck out of some of these plants. And it zaps all the uh, moisture out of the plant. And the result is parts of or the entire plant can die. So, but there is a... Uh, preventative that you can use for this and that's called an anti-desiccant spray desiccant means to uh, dry out and anti of course you know to keep it from drying out now these sprays basically stop what's essentially freezer burn from happening to the plants but the uh, catch is, is you can't use them on all plants uh, some plants uh, mainly the ones that are bluish in color evergreens that are bluish in color uh, you do need to, uh, you know, go to the back of the plant and uh, spray a small portion of it because the oils that are in the anti-desiccant spray can sometimes uh, wash off that bluish coating that's on the needles. And once that coating's gone, it doesn't come back. So uh, where you had a, uh, say, a blue star juniper, you're now going to have a green star juniper if you spray the plant. And it's going to stay that way. Uh, so, and the case of those plants, you know, Hey, 
He could try a different antidescans type of antidescans spray too. If you happen to hit a uh, spot on the plant and you know it does turn green on you, uh, you can try a different brand. And uh, a lot of times, uh, the different you know, there's enough of a difference between different brands that you know the plant will remain blue. Now, if you are gonna, if it is gonna change the color of the plant, it happens pretty darn quickly, if not immediately. So what I would do is uh, spray uh, the plant, come back, you know, spray a little part of the plant, come back in about a half an hour and take a look. And if it's still blue, you can go ahead and spray it. If it's turned green, hey, you know, do so at your own risk. But uh, it is a very effective way of taking care of uh, the plants you know, from getting freezer burned over the wintertime. And... It's something that should be done to most plants. And another thing that a lot of people do is dormant oil sprains. And uh, dormant oil, it's actually a little bit early for that. But dormant oil is where you're spraying uh, shrubs and uh, small trees and such. And you're hitting up the bark and, uh, and the trunk of the tree an awful lot. And the idea of that is you're going to be smothering any insects that are there with this dormant oil. And that also stops the insects from uh, vectoring in diseases to the plant. So it's a good way of, you know, uh, keeping disease in check and also a lot of uh, insect damage in check. If you happen to have some shrubs or an area of uh, plants that gets hit by uh, aphids, let's say, and, you know, historically you're getting, say, like you have a honeysuckle, and the honeysuckle every year gets smacked bad by aphids, go ahead and give it a dormant oil spray, and uh, that will knock out an awful lot of those critters. So, oh... Even though the ground uh, turned white last week, it's, you know, melted after a day or two. And it's still not frozen yet as well. So you're going to have time to get some bulbs in the ground if you wish. And with this nice uh, dry weekend, that warm weekend that we have coming up, uh, we can also get the rest of the leaves up that are laying on our lawns. And now it's the curbs for collection or bagged up or piled up out in the woods or what have you. I guess that's what we're going to be doing at my place this weekend. And unfortunately, we got it's weird because usually maples drop their leaves first. Uh, this whole season has been weird with uh, the foliage. Uh, first off, we haven't, have not had the extreme brilliant colors that you usually get in the fall. There are patches of it, yes, but uh, for the most part, most of the colors have been watered down and subdued. And uh, usually oaks are one of the uh, last trees to drop their leaves. But it's weird this year, they're like among the first ones to drop their leaves. And I've got oaks on my property that are dropping their leaves before my maple even. And, uh, you know, maples are usually the first ones to drop them. But, you know, it's just strange out there this year. Yeah, my maple's holding on to them for dear life for some reason. Why, I don't know. I wish it would drop them because we've already blown out our gutters once because most of the oaks have dropped their leaves. And I think we're going to wind up having to do that again. But, yeah, get out there and rake up the leaves. Uh, 
a lot of people will go ahead and say, hey, but I want to mulch my leaves into the lawn. And that's not that bad of an idea if you have really sandy soil. But the thing is, if you have, or if you've done it for a few years in a row, or if you've got any uh, clay composition, you know, like topsoil, organic matter, what have you already uh, down there, what happens is when you mulch your leaves, it turns the uh, soil acidic because the tannin, that's the uh, substance in the uh, leaf, that uh, it it's basically a chemical that's used in making leather, put it like that. Uh, that's the stuff you leach out of uh, coffee and uh, tea to get your uh, hot drinks. Uh, the tannin is very acidic. And it will actually change the composition of the soil. And you do this year after year after year, and your soil will turn acidic. And uh, at your lawn, turf grass and such does not like an acidic soil. They like it more in the neutral range. Not acidic, not alkaline, but uh, right down the middle. And if it gets uh, too acidic, what you will see is the grass will start thinning out and moss will start uh, replacing it because moss loves an acidic environment. So uh, that's not always the best thing in the world to do. Granted, it might be the easiest, but it's definitely not the best. So you need to be careful with that. And you know, just get out there, rake up your leaves, use a blower. Uh, they're not too bad as of right now. I really thought that snow that we got over on uh, Tuesday would have uh, packed it down, but it was gone so quickly that it never really had a chance to flatten the leaves down. So uh, you can use a blower on them still, and you know, good job halfway's done with a uh, blower and just blow them off your lawn. Or rake them up and just get them out of there. Okay, uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break here and take care of a little bit of business, but I'm still open for any planter gardening questions. Uh, it does not have to be about today's topics. It could be something totally off the wall. Maybe you're thinking ahead to a Christmas tray or, uh, you know, dealing with your poinsettia or a Christmas cactus. Go ahead and give me a call. Number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914, and we will be right back. Oh, and we are back here at the Plant Doctor Show, and uh, we've got one caller coming in and a couple of questions, uh, text questions. So we're going to go ahead and go right to the caller first, then we'll get over to the text. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? Hey, Mike. Uh, good morning. My name's Rick. Hey, Rick. What can I do for you? Well, my, I'm calling in for my wife. She's got irises in her, her garden in the front of her house, mm -hmm. and they're reblooming irises. And they bloomed and uh, earlier this year, and now they've rebloomed, but the they haven't bloomed yet. The buds have formed, and now they're frozen. So, is there anything we can do to make them rebloom or change their timing? Nope, not at this point. Uh, generally, they'll uh, this thing with the reblooming irises, uh, and you get two blooms out of a year out of them every year. Uh, they are. The those second blooms are usually they do better in a warmer zone than what we have. Uh, they may straighten themselves out after uh, a couple of years of being in the ground, and 
bloom accordingly. So you'd have your spring bloom and your uh, later summer bloom. Uh, but generally speaking, I really think you're only going to get one bloom out of them at a, at a season, especially this year where we've had the really cold weather really early. It's not very cold, but cold enough to cause the damage to the plants. Uh, get down to 20 degrees, and there's not much that flower buds are going to be able to do about that. And there's no way you can change the uh, period that it's going to bloom in. Nothing that you can do. Uh, the plant itself may do that. And you see that happen a lot of times. Uh, we've been seeing it happen quite often with lilac in the area. And it's really strange with the lilacs because if we have a uh, freeze in the spring that knocks off all the blooms, Mother Nature sees fit to give us a uh, fall blooming, a late summer going into the fall bloom of the lilacs, uh, which is really nice. But uh, there's nothing that we can do to fix that, unfortunately. So, okay, sounds like Mother Nature. Is, uh, can't control Mother Nature. Exactly. So. And uh, it's yeah. just like we couldn't control getting a couple inches of snow on Tuesday already. Oh, man. Absolutely. Uh, at Absolutely. least it didn't so, stick to the well, roads. Great. Okay, I wish I had better great, news Mike. for you. Thank you. Okay. You got a great show. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, yeah, uh they come out with all these uh, new types of uh, flowers and things like that. And, you know, it, not all of them are meant for growing up in zone four where we are. Uh, and you do have to be careful about that, uh, you know, if that's the reason why you're, you know, planting a particular plant. And think, you know, hey, our winters sometimes start in October. And I know the year that I came out here, uh, we had like two and a half feet of snow on the ground during hunting season. Uh, and it was cold straight on through. Uh, a few years back, we got our first snow. It was right after Halloween. And this is, I guess, about 10, 12 years ago. We had our first snow right after Halloween. Then every Wednesday, it snowed thereafter. And that first snow that we got stayed on the ground until next spring. Uh, you know, plants, if they're going to be, you know, coming up in that, just don't stand a chance. But, okay, let's get back over to these uh, questions that were texted in, too, before we have to go to our news break. Hi, Mike. What's a good way and time of the year to level sod in the yard from uh, tire tracks? Great question. And it's not a particular time of the year, though springtime is usually the better time to do it. Uh, and for the main reason that spring is, is usually we have a lot more rain in the springtime. You want to uh, do it when the ground is soaking wet, obviously, and it's spongy. And, uh, the best way to do it is to go out and you can, uh, rent them from, uh, Ace Hardware, I believe, but, uh, basically a, a lawn roller, a roller barrel. Uh, and that's exactly what it sounds like. It's a, a large flat barrel that's got a handle attached to it, and it rolls across the lawn. Uh, usually it's got a uh, hookup on the side of it to where you can uh, fill it up and drain it again uh, with water and, you know, to add some extra weight, and you just simply roll it back and forth over the uh, tire tracks and, you know, go ahead and it'll bring it down and uh, even it out. 
It's almost impossible to get the lawn back to the way it was, though, very honestly. Uh, we can make it look a heck of a lot better, but it's still going to be hard to get it right. And let's see the next one. Uh, is it okay to mow your lawn still? And if so, what height should it be mowed at? Yes, it is okay to mow your lawn, and it should be being cut between about one and a half and two inches right now. Uh, the lawns are slowly going into uh, their sleep mode, if you would. And they, like, hibernate over the winter dormant uh, period. And uh, so they're not there yet. They're going to keep growing, but they're not really doing too much uh, growing on the surface. Everything's happening underneath the ground at the root level at this point. Uh, so go ahead and mow it. Uh, like I said, around two inches would be good. And then your last mowing in the season is after they get done growing, uh, you go out and you mow it to as low as you can without cutting down to the soil, you know, scalping it. And uh, should you leave grass clippings on the lawn for winter? That's a really good question. And uh, personally, my take on it is no, you should not. Uh, unless, you know, you've got a very thin lawn, uh, you don't want to do it if you're dealing with uh, a sod lawn because it really sets up the stage for snow mold. And, you know, as those grass clippings break down, they start to get moldy. And, uh, you know, that is the problem that goes from there. And his last question is something that I wanted to touch on. Uh, is it too late to put lime down uh, on the lawn? And, no, it's definitely not too late. I put lime down on December 24th, very honestly. Uh, it was actually Christmas Eve. It was a nice day, and uh, we went out to get a couple of jobs that uh, still hadn't gotten done yet. And I was out there liming the lawn on Christmas Eve. Uh, you, you're not liming the grass. You're liming the soil. Uh, so it, it makes no difference to what, you know, the grass is doing at this point, uh, because, uh, the limestone, uh, creates a chemical change to the soil. Now, when you do this though, uh, what most people don't realize is that by liming the soil or what it takes to do it, it's a lot more than fertilizing. When you're fertilizing a lawn, you put down like, say, between three and four pounds of fertilizer between, you know, for every thousand square feet. When you're liming a lawn, it could be 20 to 40 pounds per thousand square feet, uh, depending on, uh, you know, how acidic your soil is. So, you know, that's something to keep in mind. Okay, uh, we'll be back here in just a couple of minutes. We're going to go ahead and take a break and take care of the news. And a little bit of business, but we'll be right back. If you got a question about anything that's green or growing, please go ahead and give me a call. Number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And we'll be back in about four minutes. And we are back, and we've got a couple of callers on hold. So we're going to go ahead and jump straight over to the phone lines. Uh, but if you got a question about anything that's green or growing, go ahead and call into the Plant Doctor Show. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? Hi, Mike. This is Jeff. Hey, Jeff. What can I do for you? Okay. Last fall, I put in a new lawn after I uh, had a new drain field put in. Mm -hmm. And 
the grass came in, I'm going to say about 80%. Okay. So I want to reseed this fall again. Okay. Um, should I lay down uh, fertilizer before I do that? Okay. What you can uh, put down, and it could be before or after, it doesn't make any difference, uh, a seed starter fertilizer. And the That way there, it you're not really looking for, when you first uh, start seeds, uh, the you're not looking for top growth. You're looking for root growth, and that's the most important thing. And a starter fertilizer is what is geared. It's geared more towards root growth than top growth. So uh, make sure you're using that type, just not a generic uh, lawn fertilizer. And okay, so they're so not like uh, Scott's uh, four step. Uh, like a, a, a winter fertilizer? Not really, because a winter fertilizer, that what you're looking for in a starter fertilizer is phosphorus. And uh, that would be the, any other fertilizer during the year is going to have zero as a middle number, any lawn fertilizer. Uh, 32, zero, 12, you know, just to pull some numbers out of the air. Uh, the first number is nitrogen. The second number is phosphorus, and the third number is uh, your potash. And uh, you're looking for a high second number, like an 1824.12 or something along those lines. And okay. that will uh, be about, you know your best bet for that. Okay? Very good. Thank you. Okay. You have a great day, Jeff. Good luck. Yeah. Bye-bye. Great weekend for going out and seeding your lawn, too. I mean, you couldn't have a better weekend for doing some lawn work. Oh, we're going to go on to our next caller. 608-785-7914 is number for uh, talk or text. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? My name's Sherry. Hi, Sherry. What can I do for you? Well, I wasn't listening consistently to your show. I don't know if someone else called this in already, but I have a question about coneflowers. Okay. Um, and I'm wondering, uh, now that they're done, and I usually have left them right in the ground and let the birds pick at them in the winter. Mm-hmm. You're garbling up, Sherry. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, is this any better? Or? Much better. Okay. Um, in the past, I've just left them alone and have the birds eat at them in the winter. Mm-hmm. But I've also read that you could possibly plant the seeds. Sure. Now? Okay. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, the best way to harvest the seeds, too, is to go ahead and get a, uh, you know, a plain sheet of paper. And uh, you have to do this on a day that's not windy, of course. And uh, today would be perfect for it. And you bend the uh, plant over and tap it. And the seeds will uh, come out of the cones and into the uh, paper and that way there you can harvest some of the seeds and, you know, still leave them up for the, uh, you know, birds to get the rest. Okay. 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 So, all right. Thanks so much. Okay. You have a good day, Sherry. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. And that brings to mind something that I always used, used to do that a lot. And uh, it was something that it drove my boss nuts too uh, when I was doing this because, oh, you can't be doing that. I'm like, why not? Customers don't want them, but I used to keep an empty Pringles container in uh, my truck, 
and I'd go around to gardens and, you know, I'd be in people's yards every, you know, throughout the uh, season and I'd see all these wonderful plants growing. And when they would go to seed, I would grab some and I'd stick them <laughs> inside the Pringles container. Uh, you know, I wouldn't destroy their plants or anything. I'd just grab a couple of, you know, a few of the seeds. And uh, then I would go ahead, and this makes a really cool presentation, too. Uh, they started selling it the exact same concept as wildflower mix, which really is like, hey, that's my idea. But you collect all these different seeds inside uh, a container. You know, one day you get, the, say, coneflower. The next day you're getting dahlia. The next day you're getting, you know, whatever. And so you're got all these different types of seeds in this one container. You go out into a brushy area and clean out the brush, you know, an area that you don't really care about getting overgrown or what have you, and clean it up and uh, get down to, you know, you could still have some high grass in there, but as long as you can scrape the soil and get it down to where you can get the seeds out into the soil, then just take the seeds and broadcast them over the entire area. And uh, come next spring, you're, or next summer, generally, you're going to have a really nice-looking garden out there. It'll be beautiful. Uh, granted, over a period of a couple of years, it turns into weeds because, you know, usually that type of an area you don't maintain. But yeah, mow it over, and you can start all over again. But, yeah, seed collecting was always one of my hobbies when I was, you know, out doing the lawns every day. And the customers don't mind. Usually they're really, you know, hey, that's really cool. He's taking some of my seeds to grow, you know, in his uh, yard. You're proud of that fact. Uh, I don't think I've ever had a customer that actually minded me doing that. But, okay, back uh, to what we were talking about. Uh, we don't have any more texts or any more calls right now. If you've got a question about anything that's green or growing, go ahead and give me a buzz. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. Now, uh, one thing I definitely know for sure is the birds have been, uh, they've started up their winter migrations outside. And I could tell that by the number of shots that I hear every morning. Over, uh, you know, the, all the uh, islands and stuff out in Lake Onalaska, uh, going back to the Mississippi River. Uh, it sounds like a war zone right out there right now with people duck hunting. But, uh, and also we've got the uh, Sandhill Cranes across our, from our uh, house on the other side of the road out in the uh, farmer's field. And, yeah, you know, some days... Uh, we have very few, and other days, getting numbers up close to a thousand out there. I mean, they are just all over the place. And what was really cool last night too, and I actually uh, grabbed Terry and brought her out in the back deck. Uh, my back deck overlooks one of the uh, waterways that leads between the Mississippi and uh, Lake Onalaska, one of the little back backwaters. And listening off in the distance, you could hear the snow geese. And it was unbelievable. It was just, there must have been thousands of them out there to make that much of a racket. Uh, and you couldn't hear a plane landing, for crying out loud. 
I mean, it was that many of them. Which actually brings up the thought, too, with the airport that closed, that would be scary to have that many big birds and an airport really nearby. But hopefully they've got a way of, you know, figuring things out and, you know, keeping the geese away from the airport or at least the uh, runways or what have you. But, yeah, they have begun their winter migrations. And giving them a helping hand uh, in that uh, is a nice thing to do, you know, providing them with some food for their long journey. Now, uh, you know, nobody likes to travel on an empty stomach. Now, you might even be able to persuade a few of them to hang around for uh, a little bit longer, you know, if they have a reliable food source. Now, that can be a death sentence uh, for uh, one bird in particular, though. This is one bird that you should stop feeding at a certain time every year, and that's the hummingbirds. And I actually saw a hummingbird last week. Uh, I couldn't believe, no, it was a week before last, I'm sorry. It was really, really late, and he flew right over my deck, as a matter of fact, when I was out on it. And I'm like, oh boy, he needs to get south quick because hummers are so small that they will actually freeze to death if uh, you have a, you know, temps drop down to the 20s. So generally what they do is they follow the flowers. And as long as there's flowers blooming, they're going to hang around. Now, that means if you've got hummers that are constantly coming to a feeder, they're going to hang around. So as the flowers die off in your particular area, and that's the best rule of thumb there is, uh, and I'm not talking about, you know, flowers in pots that people put out like mums and stuff like that, but, uh, you know, the ones that are growing in the ground, as they're dying back and you're not seeing any more, that's the time of the year to uh, pull in your hummingbird feeders. Uh, because, you know, that's what Mother Nature intended. They're going to follow the progression of the plants south uh, to the point where they don't have to worry about freezing anymore. But not all birds are, you know, like that. Most of them can take the cold. And uh, you can, you know, entice them to hang around. One of the coolest birds I've ever seen during the winter time. And this was really neat. And we found out that it's not all that uncommon either in this area is we had a parakeet staying at our house for the whole winter and spring, Uh, which I was really shocked at because, you know, you think of parakeets and you think of the, you know, tropics. But I guess uh, there is a big population of parakeets that are uh, in this area because of... uh, ones that escaped in Minneapolis. And they actually have a very large population of parakeets that migrates back and forth to Minneapolis every year. They do fly south, and uh, but some of them hang around for the winter. And, you know, one day I was looking out at my uh, bird feeder, having my morning cup of coffee, and I'm like, what in the hell is that? There's this god-awful green bird with a tail that was like seven inches long. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm rubbing my eyes and like, am I dreaming? And yeah, here's this bright colored parakeet on my feeder. And uh, <coughs> they'll hang around too if you've got a food source. And they can evidently make it through a winter too. Maybe they might not like the really cold, snowy days, but they can live through it. 
But uh, birds like basically three things, water, food, and cover. And if you can provide all of these three things, you're going to stand a much better chance of seeing uh, birds to your property. And, you know, a lot of these new developments, I the thing that I can't stand about them is, is there's a shortage for cover for uh, wild critters. For some reason... When they come in to do a development, they clear-cut it. I mean, down to the ground. They don't leave any trees or bushes or anything. They're just, okay, everything, gone. And uh, then they start all over again with a lot of smaller things, which really don't provide that much cover. So uh, if you're in an area like this, making cover uh, becomes a major issue. And cover is very important. It gives them a place to hide, number one, uh, makes them feel safer. And uh, especially since now we have a pretty big population of peregrine falcons in the area. Uh, Unfortunately, we had one take stake over our place back in Holman, uh, set up house right there, and decided to make our bird feeder his feeding ground. And he was out there quite often knocking off our, uh, you know, birds. But we did have cover for uh, most of them to go to. And cover doesn't have to be, you know, like a thickly dense, you know, pine trees or anything like that. It can be whatever you make it. Terry uh, gives the birds cover every uh, winter by taking an old tarp. And we've got a um, glider or, you know, a swing you know, one of those things that rocks back and forth out in their uh, backyard. And she'll put the tarp over it and put some weights on it. And, uh, you know, keep the tarp uh, just a couple inches off the ground so the birds can get into it. And she'll make sure that they have a path that's clear of snow to get in and out of there. And it's amazing. Uh, during the wintertime, 30, 40, 50 uh, sparrows underneath this thing all at once. And you walk out, and it's just bird after bird after bird after bird after bird taking off from there. It's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, they really appreciate cover. And it's not just to get away from danger, too. It also uh, gives them a place to go to, to, you know, get away from the weather as well. But we got another caller coming in, so we're going to go ahead and shoot over to the phone lines. Uh, And we still have two open ones, too. 608-785-7914 is the number. And please don't wait for until the end of the show to call in. Good morning, you're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? Uh, good morning, this is Betty. How are you today? Doing great, Betty. Thank you. Good. How are you? It, uh, good, good. Uh, enjoying all your information you're sharing about the birds and, and uh, grass care, lawn care, everything. Mm. But I have a question about hydrangeas. Okay. Um, um, I have the kind that, you know, get the pretty blue and pink flowers. Mm-hmm. And, and the last, I've had them now for three years, and the last cut last couple of years now i've always cut them back in the spring and i had read online that you should cut them like at an at a knob and everything like that but then i have these dead sticks that keep sticking up <laughs> and they get all new growth and they they're huge in fact i got some beautiful flowers right now that got frozen out you know they were blooming oh. yet at the end here and but i then i talked to somebody else and said, well you should cut them back in fall so i'm just looking for you for your advice <laughs> to do. okay thing with the hydrangeas is it depends on the type that you have mm-hmm. uh some and both answers are correct 
Uh, some you can cut back in the fall. Some you're supposed to cut back in the spring. Some you cut back in the summer as soon as they get done blooming. Uh, the spring and summer ones, if you do not cut them back at that point and you wait into the fall, you will not have a bloom the next year. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, that all being said, of course, there is the one thing that's going to challenge that rule, and that is this uh, one called a peewee hydrangea that uh, Terry bought a few years back, and they've become kind of popular in the area. I'm seeing them over all over quite a bit, but they're not the snowball type. These are right. more like big, loose flowers, and they start, they're, about, they're cooler than a regular hydrangea because when they come out, the flowers are a light green. Then that light green changes to white over the season. And after they go to white, they go to pink. Then they go to this deep burgundy pink almost at the end of the uh, fall. And they do that all on their own. And with other hydrangeas, you've got to, uh, you know, mess around with the acidity in the soil, uh, the pH of the soil to get them to go blue or pink. This does this automatically. And these ones you can cut any time of the year. You can cut them spring, summer, fall, or winter, and it doesn't make any difference. They keep coming back and back. They're like the Energizer Bunny of plants. And also don't believe the fact that if you happen to grow one of these things uh, and it says in the package you're going to grow as high as six feet, baloney, they keep going. (laughs) Yeah, I prune mine back if uh, I never let it go to its full potential, but the highest that it got up was about 12 feet which is twice their normal height. Mm-hmm. So uh, hydrangeas are different. Uh, each uh, variety has its own special requirements, unfortunately, though. Okay? Okay. All righty. Well, thank you for your time. You're quite welcome, and you have a great weekend. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And like I said, the other cool thing about hydrangeas, too, the regular snowballs, is you can change the color of them. Uh, to get them to grow blue, you uh, put down sulfur in the soil to make the soil acidic. They're nature's uh, pH testers. Uh, to make them grow pink, you put down limestone. And you just work that into the soil around the plant. And another really cool thing that you could do is you do one half the plant with limestone and the other half the plant with uh, sulfur. And you could have one plant with pink and blue flowers, one, each on one side. So that's real. They're fun to play around with. Good morning. You're in the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? Uh, Bill, calling hey. about Arborvitae. Okay. Can you tell me when it would be the right time of year to fertilize, and is mere acid a good thing to put on Arborvitae? Mere acid's a perfect thing to put on Arborvitae. Uh, they would love it. And now is not the time. Uh, okay. You want to fertilize them in the spring. Okay. And uh, to give you a reason why, uh, this is the reason everybody thought that acid rain burned the plants, and that's how it wound up killing all the plants. You know, remember that acid rain scare that we had back in the 70s and 80s? Uh, and they thought that the rain was going to, you know, eat away at the uh, plants and kill them. That's not how it worked. The acid is the same thing as fertilizing. And uh, it was fertilizing the plants at the wrong time of the year. Now, during the fall, the uh, plants harden off, and they get ready for the winter. And if you uh, force a bunch of new growth on them at the wrong time of the year, they're never going to have a chance to harden off. And then, you know, the outer portions of the plant will die when winter comes, 
and uh, that you know works its way back to the inside of the plant, and it winds up killing the whole plant. So uh, okay. fertilizing in the springtime is the way to go. There's very, very few plants that you fertilize in the uh, fall. Okay? Okay, thank you. Okay, have a great day now. And let's see. Uh, yeah, that's going to take us uh, to our next break. So uh, we're going to take care of a little bit of business, and we'll be back to take care of some weather and uh, you know the rest of the show. If you got a question about anything that's green or growing, please go ahead and give me a call or shoot me a text. Number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914, and we will be right back. Okay, I'm Alaska Kevin writes, I love the short, uh, full zinnias. And I found some uh, by a guy's mailbox uh, while walking my dog, and he gave me permit, permission to uh, take some. Is there any special way to harvest the seeds and preserve them? Okay, Kevin, uh, the best way to harvest the seeds, and I told this to the lady before, take a piece of paper and hold it underneath the flower. And all you do have to do is smack the flower with it upside down. Those seeds, though, will gen- once they're uh, mature, the seeds will fall right out. Now, if they're not mature yet, they can dry out on a windowsill. And then all you need to do is go ahead and uh, snip off a few of the uh, flower heads and uh, put them on the windowsill and allow them to dry. They'll go ahead and mature. And you do the same thing. Tap them upside down and, uh, you know, uh, onto a piece of paper and you're good to go. Now, preserving them. What I said before is actually about using a Pringles container is probably not one of the best ideas it was what i use though and i needed a container that wouldn't you know get lost inside my truck which was very easy because i'm a pig and i had you know quick trip wrappers and stuff like that all over the place and uh having a little paper envelope laying around was not the best idea you know for saving a bunch of seeds so i used a pringles container and had a nice snappy lid to it and it served my purpose But the best way to do it is by using a paper envelope, not a Ziploc bag like I see a lot of people using. Thing with seeds is they will get moldy if there is any moisture. Paper will breathe. A Ziploc bag will lock all that moisture inside, so you do not want to use that. So uh, put them into a paper envelope, a regular mailing envelope, and lick it shut. And an envelope gives you the opportunity of writing what type of, uh, you know, flowers they are, you know, seeds they are right on it. And uh, you can store that in a cool, uh, dry place. And come springtime, go ahead and use it. And it'll work fine. 